And we're back here. I'm pushing VA on a late, late Wednesday night. If I sound quiet, it's because I am. Because it's about one in the morning. This is my life. We're covering chapter 36, which is the beginnings of the Cold War, Civil Rights Movement, JFK, beginning of Vietnam, to some extent the space race. I'm excited to get it going. I hope you are too. I have to sneeze for the first time in about three hours. <coughs> Thank you. Alright. Let's get it going here. So, um, post-World War II, you have this large economic boom, um, so construction goes up. Um, a lot of renters of houses become owners of houses. One in every four American homes that you see on the market today are from the 1950s. 83% of those new homes were built in the suburbs. You're also seeing a lot of growth in the science and tech industries. So the transistor is created in 1948. Uh, computers go from hangers to microchips, IBM is leading the industry at the time. They're helping business and telecom and airlines and inventory stocking. Um, aerospace is also a new burgeoning industry, so you have the strategic air control, um, something or the other, SAC. Um, also, consumer air is expanded, um, and you can really see the connection between military and business because a lot of B-52s, designed for the B-52s, used for the first commercial Boeing plane, the 707. Um, Generally, the workforce is making this large shift to service, um, so organized labor industry and unions are on a down swing. Um, it's generally a move from white to blue, or from blue to white collar. Um, a lot of women are returning from actual jobs to, not actual jobs, that was misphrased, from jobs um, with a pay to uh, being stay-at-home moms and to the cult of domesticity. Um, where they're listening, listening where they're watching to TV and soap operas, um, and they're all living in the suburbs with husbands that are working and they stay at home. And between 1950 and 80, they get three million new clerical or service jobs, um, the vast majority of which go to women, um, leading to a job, uh, a job group called the Pink Collar Ghetto. Um, you're also gonna see some social change as a function of these new jobs. So some people are like, oh, it's a return to the agricultural life where everyone's working and women are doing everything. But um, in reality, it's vastly different because women are not, you know, tending the farm for five hours, raising the kids for however many hours it's, you're at work and then you're with the kids. Um, so this dual role of being a worker and a homemaker is really taxing. Um, Betty Frieden writes a book called The Feminine Mystique that's really the precursor to the feminist uprising. Um, and a lot of women say, hey, being a housewife um, with no ambition is super boring. In the 1950s, uh, the middle class gets a huge boost, so consumer culture gets a huge boost with it. Um, the Diners Club comes out with the first credit card. The first Mickey D's is established in California as its first Disneyland. Generally, this idea of fast food and credit um, both of them are on the rise. Also, people are watching TV a lot, which means they're going to fewer movies. Um, 
1946, there were six TV stations. In 1956, there were 442. And TV really goes from sort of a novelty to a necessity. Um, $10 billion are spent on advertising, advertising, on advertisements, which is degrading. Um, you also see a lot of new industries on TV. So uh, televangelism, you see guys like Billy Graham, the late reverend, you see um, sports on TV. And now that people have a way to follow the entirety of the league around the country, you see these sports teams moving west. So the San Francisco, New York Giants become the San Francisco Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers become the Los Angeles Dodgers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, musically, Elvis combines R&B and bluegrass to make rock and roll, um, and that really spreads, and you see it in Japan, and you see it in England with the Beatles. Um, sexuality also, has, it's sex o'clock in America. Um, Marilyn Monroe and Playboy are the big figures of the time. Um, everything's being mass-produced, and it's being standardized, so that means you need to sell it as a large thing, so you're selling... Instead of selling, you know, Johnny's homemade pepper shakers, because a pepper shaker is what's in front of me, you're selling Acme pepper shakers standardized. And to advertise Acme pepper shakers standardized, you need to make it appealing to the entire country. How do you do that? Sex appeal. Um, Dennis Reisman um, calls everyone out for being a conformist with a book. William White, I want to say, not Walter White. And Stoon, Sloan, Wilson do similar things. Um... J.G. Albeth um, makes a point that with all this money that we have just gotten, we should start investing in the public good, to which the public says, no, we don't need it. Um, his feud with MacArthur, going to Truman, his feud with MacArthur and um, sort of the failure that was the Korean War for the Americans really hurts Truman. So the Democrats nominate Adelaide E. Stevenson, fun fact, Philip Kubzansky, uh, grandfather worked on both of those campaigns, uh, both ally campaigns. Um, the Republicans nominate Ike at the front of the ticket, Nixon at the back of the ticket. Um, Ike is this very nonpartisan campaign, um, and he doesn't really have to say too much because the Dems have this image of being corrupt and failure in the Koreas, and they might be communists according to Nixon, um, and they call him Adelaide the appeaser. Um, then some questions about illegal donations to Nixon pop up, and he makes the infamous checker speech, which is important for three things. One, um, it saves his career. Um, he is he basically says the only illegal donation I've ever gotten is our beloved Cocker Spaniel checkers. Two, um, it saves the Ike campaign in a way, in that um, the major thing they had going against him is stopped. And three, it shows the power that TV now has in politics. Ike, a couple days before the election, says, I will personally go to Korea and end the war. He wins the election 442 to 89 in electoral votes by about 7 million popular votes. Um, the Republicans pick up Congress. Ike goes to Korea, um, works on an armistice that ends the war uh, at the 38th parallel um, and freezes the Cold War. It also um, puts a freeze on U.S. troop deaths, so it and total was about 30,000 Americans that died, and about a million Chinese and Koreans, and about a billion dollars, too. Um, or way more than a billion dollars, a whole lot of money. Um, I takes over as this apolitical optimist citizen prez, um, and he's really popular, but he never uses that popularity for the good. He wasn't comfortable with civil rights, um, or with fighting McCarthyism. Um... 
1950, there's about 15 million blacks in the country. Um, Two-thirds of them live in the South. Um, and they're in the South. If you are of African-American heritage, you are being discriminated against by Jim Crow laws. Um, six vets who were petitioning for more rights were killed by a mob. Um, there's also uh, the case of Emmett Till in Mississippi. Um, and this structure where uh, African-Americans are separate from the white population um, and only 20% of them can vote in Mississippi and Alabama, only 5% of them can vote um, is really corrupt. But then when it gets down to it, right, you're seeing that the law isn't really that important because when the law isn't working to discriminate against black citizens, violence is okayed. Um, this really hurts American image in the world. Um, Josephine Baker and Paul Roberson uh, hit the road across Europe and sort of tell the world, like, hey, I know the free home of the brave isn't that free or brave. Um, Myrtle um, writes a book called An American Dilemma that from Sweden, Myrtle is Swedish, uh, and it says that Americans are acting, they're contradicting themselves and their own ideas. Um, international pressure goes up, and there is some progress in the North where desegregation is loosened a bit, and you also see things like the Green Book, um, and Jackie Robinson uh, integrates baseball, and the NAACP gets a booster, is established, it's, book's unclear. Um, in Sweat versus Painter, um, separate technical schools are not okay anymore. Um, also, later on, racist housing covenants and any some anti something misengation, not totally sure, are repealed. Um, legal discrimination in the states is really frowned upon in the North, starting around now. Um, also, the Chinese Exclusion Act is repealed in nineteen. I'm guessing 53, because 43 wouldn't really make sense, but maybe it was 43, who knows. Um, overall, you're seeing a huge jump in black activism. Uh, the NAACP plants Rosa on the bus, that sparks Montgomery Boy bus boycott, and then you see the rise of Martin Luther King Jr., who is rich um, and came from an unsegregated family, but really uses religion well and is an incredible orator and becomes the leader in the movement. Um... When Truman hears about the lynching of the veterans, um, he asks for a report. This is in 1948, and it's or in the early, in the late 1940s, and he's, the report, which is to secure these rights, um, leads him to desegregate the civil services and armed forces. Um, the conservative coalition and Eisenhower are uninterested in leading this charge when they get into power, so the Supreme Court and Chief Justice Earl Warren, uh, who was a Republican Californian governor, um, but takes a much more democratic spin to this, decides to intervene in sort of these formerly taboo subjects. So in May 1951, Brown versus Board of Education um, reverses Plessy versus Ferguson from the 1890s and it says public schools are not allowed to be segregated. Um, excuse me. Border states comply almost immediately. Um, in the South, there's a ton of resistance to the point that doesn't really happen. Um, Southern congressmen uh, put together the Declaration of Constitutional Principles, which says we will never desegregate, um, we will give money to private schools, um, and these white city councils all comply with this idea. By 1964, still fewer than 2% of schools are integrated. Um, 
Eisenhower, who's from a all-white town and went into the army when it was segregated, um, just isn't feeling it, which isn't really acceptable. But you know what? Um, in 1957, Orval Tavis, um, or maybe it's 1951, one of the two um, long, skinny numbers, um, the governor of Arkansas um, puts up the National Guard to prevent the Little Rock Nine, the nine students that tried to integrate Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, to prevent them from coming in, so Eisenhower has to send federal troops because it is um, blatantly going against the Supreme Court order, and I think it reminds me of Jackson, which is like, the Supreme Court has said what they're going to say. I'd like to see them enforce it, or something like that. Um, because of the Little Rock Nine, the 1957 Civil Rights Act is passed, which is the mildest possible, according to Eisenhower, it establishes a Civil Rights Commission, um, the main purpose of which is to investigate um, anything the federal, any uh, discrimination that the federal government can also put out injunctions for voting rights. Um, and then you see this mass mobilization of the black community. So MLK forms the Southern Christian uh, Leadership Conference, the SCLC in 1957, using churches, which are the best existing form of black organization um, for civil rights. Um, on February 1st, 1960, uh, four freshmen sit in at Woolworths, um, at a Woolworths counter, and by one week there's a thousand kids doing it all over the country, which leads to wait-ins and pray-ins and lions and whatever-ins, um, which begets the formation of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Um, Eisenhower led the country with something that uh, the book describes as dynamic conservatism. Um, and this really stemmed from a war we were in, where he wanted to be good to the people. He was liberal with the people, but the money he was conservative with. Um, and he was bland, and the government wasn't going to be expanded. And he wasn't trying to end the New Deal, he was just trying to consolidate it. So he never expanded the government, tried to keep the budget semi-balanced, and he didn't want anything that the book describes as creeping socialism. The military still remained as 10% of the gross national product, but its growth did slow. Um, he came after the Tennessee Valley Authority a little bit. Um, tr uh, he also gave the rights to offshore oil from the federal government to the states. Um, and he wants more competition in the market, I believe. Um, Mexican immigration is also at a huge peak at this moment. Um, and it's undercutting the Bracero project where Mexicans are legally coming into the country to do work. Um, so... Eisenhower leads the poorly named and it's a bad name Operation Wetback, which is um, basically forces one million Mexicans to go to Mexico um, from America where they were getting jobs. He tries to cancel the Indian New Deal that Roosevelt passed, which was ending their status as a legal entity and assimilate them. Um, both the Indian population and Congress resisted it. Um, his one big piece of expansion, and this is pretty big, is the Federal Highway Act of 1956, where he designates $27 billion to create 42,000 miles of new roadways for the purpose of national defense to mobilize a militia in the event of an act of war. Um, but this really helps auto companies and the companies around them, hurts railroads, hurts the air quality, helps suburbia, hurts downtowns, um, and people are doing a lot more shopping at the mall. Moving along, moving along. Um, 
1952, um, Eisenhower sort of introduces this new foreign policy, which is we're not going to do containment with the USSR anymore. So uh, JF Dulles, um, you might know from the world's crappiest airport, um, is the Secretary of State, and he basically says, we're going to not just contain them, we're going to roll back the USSR, and we're going to liberate oppressed peoples, we're going to cut spending, we're going to balance the budget. Um, and it's the policy of boldness. So basically the idea is we're going to give the Army and Navy cuts, but to ensure our prominence and our power, we're going to help the SAC, Strategic Air Command, by giving them a ton of super bombers with nukes. So basically at this point, the United States prevailing military strategy is, if it gets bad, we nuke, and that's that. Um, it's intimidating, um, and it's scary, um, but it's also, you know, from the standpoint of preventing conflict. Um, Eisenhower still wants a thaw in the Cold War, so he meets with Nikita Khrushchev of Russia, um, and they talk about an open skies policy, um, but when it comes down to mutual inspection, neither side can really trust each other, so in 1955, excuse me, in 1955, that doesn't happen. In 1956, the new military policies put to the test with the Hungarian uprising. The U.S. can't help because they don't really have the army or naval forces to help them, and the only thing they have is nuclear weapons, and they can't really use them in a situation like that. Um, so the Hungarians are crushed, and America sort of sits there wondering, like, what the hell is that? Um, for a while in Vietnam, um, there have been these nationalists trying to remove the French uh, Ho Chi Minh, Never heard anyone pronounce the name, so I don't know how to say it. Um, was trying to get rid of the French. Um, Wilson and FDR were fans of Min, um, but then when the Cold War comes along, it sort of hurts um, America. It sort of pushes both sides to opposite ends. The spectrum of the U.S. moves to the right, Vietnamese uh, move to the left, um, and Vietnam's revolution becomes a communist one. Um, in 1954, the United States is paying 80% of the French, uh, the French's colonial military costs, which is, comes out to about a billion dollars. They're really trying to just get French, France's approval to get, um, West Germany to rearm and get him into NATO. Um, Min eventually crushes the French, um, the guerrillas trap a garrison at, I'm going to spell that, D-I-E-N-B-I-E-N-P-H-U, um, don't quite know what this says. Um, oh, in Northwest Vietnam, Eisenhower says we're not going to use nuclear weapons despite what the Joint Chiefs um, and Nixon and Dulles all ask him to do at Geneva. Um, the decision is made that it'll divide Vietnam at the 17th parallel. Um, Min says yes, um, but on the condition that we have elections to reunite the country in two years. So the United States establishes a government at Saigon with Ngo Dinh N-G-O-D-I-N-H-D-I-E-M. Um, and then they say, you know what, we don't trust these elections. And then guerrillas come and invade South Vietnam. Guerrilla warfare fighters, not the animal. That'd be cool, though. Um, in the Middle East, uh, the United States is really worried about the USSR gaining control over its oil. Um, the Iranian government, which is um, influenced heavily by the USSR, is resisting sort of uh, the controlling that they've been subjected to by Western companies for a while. So the CIA leads a coup and they install Mohammed Pol 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 P
hallway. Don't quite know as a dictator. Um, you, the United States gets um, oil, however, um, they also get a lot of resentment in Iran for a long time, and that'll come back to bite them in the ass in the future. Um, in Egypt, Gamal Nasser, who's the prime minister, wants money for a dam at the Nile River. The Americans and the British offer him the money, and then he goes and flirts with the Russians, or the Soviets, rather. So the United States withdraws, uh, so then Nasser kicks out the British and the French, nationalizes the dam, um, so everyone loses their investment except for the Egyptians, um, and it endangers the Western European oil supply when the relationship between the Egyptians and the British and French are put into peril. So the French, British, and Israelis go to Egypt in October 1956, um, trying to start a fight, um, and they think that the United States will back them up with the oil. The United States says, oil machine broke. Um, Egypt says, understandable, have a good day. Um, all of us say the United States does not feel like giving them oil, so the troops have to withdraw, um, and the UN police also has to leave the area. It's the last time the United States can control the conflict because it has such a considerable amount of oil under its belt. Um, from before the war, they were two-thirds. Um, they were a net, they were two-thirds, they were an exporter, and by the end of the war, they are an importer. Um, so directly after this, OPEC forms, um, which is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, so that is um, Iraq and Kuwait and Venezuela, and... <coughs> excuse me, Saudi Arabia, and I can't, CH, it's not China, Chile, don't, probably not, don't quite know is the answer, um, 1956, Eisenhower beats Adelaide, uh, again, 35 to 26 million, 457 to 73, um, he does not get any congressional majorities. Uh, so Congress begins investigating sort of the bad parts of labor, so fraud and brutality and Teamsters, because the AFL-CIO, which had merged, elect uh, Hoffa, who is a mobster, as their leader. Um, so the Landrum-Griffin Act um, basically says the leaders of labor unions are accountable and expands the Taft-Hartley Act, um, and this all occurs in 1954. And then in October, of 1957, something crazy happens, which is the Russians launch a Sputnik into orbit. In November, they launch a Sputnik 2 into orbit. American confidence um, plummets. Um, there are these questions about how prepared is our military? How prepared are we to have ICBMs? Um, so rocket fever strikes the country. The United States establishes NASA. They get something in orbit by the late uh, in the 50s, by 1960, they have satellites and ICBMs, and the, Nor and the National Defense Education Act basically says, let's get some more STEM into these schools. Um, scientists are begging everyone to stop testing nukes for the sake of the environment. Um, so the USSR claims that they had suspended them, suspended tests in 1958. No one really inspected it. Khrushchev really wants the Americans out of West Berlin, um, so he puts Eisenhower at the table, and they meet at Camp David. Um, and they were supposed to have a follow-up in Paris, um, but then an American U-2 spy plane is destroyed in Soviet, the Soviet Union. Eisenhower takes the blame. Um, that'll hurt him later, and that'll hurt the Republican Party later. Uh, 
shifting gears completely, Latin America is super angry about the Europeans getting all this money from the Marshall Plan. Um, and also the CIA and the United States generally are intervening a ton in their area. They are leading coups, such as in Guatemala. Um, they're saying that dictators are better than communists. Um, to which Fidel Castro says, okay, why not both? And he takes over Cuba as a communist dictator in 1954. Um, he's anti-American, so the United States cuts off their sugar exports um, to them. Castro then confiscates the United States property and land and becomes basically a satellite state for the United States, or for the USSR. Um, Anti-Castro Cubans in numbers of about a million escape to America. Um, the two sides end diplomatic relations and an embargo is placed upon Cuba. The year is 1960. The Republicans nominate um, the vastly changed Richard Nixon, Vice President Eisenhower, much more chill. Um, the Democrats nominate Massachusetts Senator John F. Kennedy, um, who had won through the primaries. He was Catholic. Um, and he was the first Catholic nominee um, since Smith, since Al Smith of New York. Um, and I wrote LBT, but that can't be right. He runs the primaries with LBT. Um, maybe I meant LGBT, but that doesn't really make sense for the time. I know he might have had minority help. Not totally sure. Um, the Bible Belt's uneasy about him being a Catholic. Northern Democrats are happy to support him because they find that the Catholic attacks on him are unjustified and cruel and, and rude. Um, and so the debates are televised. JFK looks good. Nixon looks like death himself. JFK wins by a hair, 118,000 votes, 303 to 219. Um, he was the first Catholic president. He was the youngest ever to be elected. Um, he wins with the FDR coalition um, and reaches out to Coretta King almost uh, pretty quickly. So he's semi-involved with civil rights from the start. Um, Eisenhower on his way out warns of the military-industrial complex, which is basically the military driving the economy. And the arms race, also Hawaii and Alaska. Welcome to the United States of America. You are now states. Okay. There's like a few more cards. Here we go. Here we go. Um, cultural renaissance. So... The United States is taking over as a world leader in the arts, so the capital is New York now. Modernism and abstract expressionism are the primary um, modes of expression in the early 60s, so that's Pollock. Um, Warhol and Lichtenstein take the lead on pop art. Um, architecturally, you're seeing things from like Frank Lloyd Wright and Cobb, but you're also seeing international style skyscrapers, which are basically concrete slabs covered in glass. Um, so it's like the UN building and the secret building. Um, literarily, you have these novels that used to be about World War II moving into psychedelia, so you have like Cash-22 from Vonnegut. Um, a lot of questions being posed regarding Freudianism and consumerism um, and nonconformism. There's a TV series or book series called Rabbit. The main thing to know here is that wasps are no longer the driving force in the arts. Um, Poets are not being as conformist as they used to be. Plays, you have Streetcar, Name Desire, and Cattle on a Hot Tin Roof, and Death of a Salesman, and the... I can't remember the name. Um, <laughs> it's Big Mouth. It's The Crucible. 
The Crucible is what I was thinking about. Um, Tom Cruise is The Crucible because the school's funded by the Church of Scientology. Um, you also have a lot of these formation novels. So it's J.D. Salinger and Harper Lee publishes To Kill a Mockingbird, which I'm sure none of you have ever read. Um, on the New Frontier, which is based on the new generation, is leading. Um, but the New Frontier is also... Um, the United States and its civil policies and its domestic policies. So JFK nominates his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, to be the attorney general of the country. He makes the FBI instead of an internal security organization to one for focusing on organized crime and civil rights. Um, Jagger Hoover, who's the director of the organization, resists. Robert McNamara does take over the Department of Defense. Um, generally, the inner circle of the White House uh, is predominantly being run by these Harvard grads, and they're all young, um, and there's all potential, and they established a Peace Corps, and they have the new frontier, which is like JFK's New Deal, because everybody's 70 something. Um, the Dems have very slim majorities, so Southern Democrats and Republicans are teaming up to stop much of JFK's, um, much of JFK's um, policy hopes um so he expands the house rules committee um the republicans are still able to stall medicare and um or medical and educational uh reforms um jfk tries to pass tax cuts of all things congress stops that from happening he wants to be friendly with the business community but also um not buddy buddy so he forces Steele and Labor to agree on a wage, and when Steele doesn't comply, he screams at them in the Oval Office. Um, the moon hoax occurs um, when the United States gets a man on the moon. You can tell I'm using air quotes because my fingers are going all over the place on my hand. Um, where did we put a flag on the moon from the Apollo 11? Okay. Um, the moon landing didn't happen. I'm not a moon truther, but I think it's funny to be one. Okay, keep it in, keep it moving, keep it moving. Um, in June 1961, um, JFK and Nikita Khrushchev meet in Vienna. Um, Khrushchev asks JFK for a treaty with East Germany, asks like for the okay for a United States treaty with East Germany to cut off the West from Berlin. JFK holds up. He said, "Doesn't say yes. Doesn't say no." Um, Khrushchev then goes and puts up the Berlin Wall, which separates East and West Berlin pretty notably. Um, Kennedy then thinks, okay, I need to go help Western Europe with um, money. So with the European Economic Commission, which is the beginnings of the EU, he um, makes a bunch of tariffs, he starts a process of cutting a bunch of tariffs up to 50% um, to increase trade with the countries, uh, it's called the Kennedy Round, which occurs in 1967, it's globalization at its finest. Um, Europe is also decolonizing at a rapid rate, which is a problem for the United States, because confrontations in new nations, um, in these new nations could be nuclear or they could be humiliations. Um, so everything's problematic, because um, you know, they also want them to be communist. So McNamara, McNamara comes up with the flex response, which is the special forces, the Green Berets, which can deploy quickly and stop problems, and they're not nuclear, and they're not, um, you know, the Peace Corps. Um, it 
lowers the potential for civilian casualties, but it also lowers the threshold for the United States to get involved um, in something. And that can quickly lead to escalation, as you see in Vietnam. Um, in Cuba, in 1961, um, the United States comes up with the Alliance for Progress, uh, which they deem to be the Marshall Plan for Latin America. South America is too suspicious of the North to um, ally for progress. Um, Eisenhower has the wise idea to topple Castro by invading Cuba with a bunch of anti-communist exiles. Um, they send 1,200 people to the Bay of Pigs invasion. Um, it fails miserably. JFK goes pretty hands-off after that. Um, Castro, really pissed with the Americans, goes and says to the USSR, hey, you want to hang out? And the USSR says, can we please put silos on your island? Thank you. Um, and then the United States quickly finds out about them and it's a lovely game of nuclear chicken, uh, which can only end in mutually assured destruction or peace, um, occurs. JFK rejects the idea of bombing that a lot of people are throwing at him. Um... They settle on a quarantine on October 22nd. They also um, demand that they remove the silos. Um, and if the United States are attacked, JFK says on live television that any attack on the United States or its allies will lead to a full nuclear response back. Um, so on October 28th, the Russians pull out. The United States ends their quarantine. They quietly remove their missiles from Turkey um, that no one knew about, AKA this is a Cuban missile crisis. It is the end of Khrushchev's reign. Um, Moscow really improves its military after um, JFK really wants a test ban treaty after this, understandably, because he saw the world go really close to its end. Domestically, JFK sort of stayed away from civil rights because um, he needs the South um, for its economic and social help in the elections. Um, then the Freedom Riders occur. They're, they do their thing. They end segregation interstate. Um, interstate bus facilities and then a white mob destroys an Alabama bus in May 1961 and there are riots um, so JFK allies with the civil rights group uh, movement because um, he's just a decent person I guess he's a little worried about MLK's communist tinges but he says I'll deal with it um, so federal marshals begin protecting the buses um, RFK does wiretap MLK because of the communist or whatever suspicions, um, which I think is bullshit, but, oh, pardon me, I mean bull poop. Um, this podcast can no longer be labeled clean. That's very sad. Um, let's see, looking, looking. I lost my place in that sad moment. Um, overall, the book says that JFK and MLK are friends, which I think um, mutual acquaintances would be a nice way of putting it. Um, SNCC and company lead the voter... Um, I should say... Registration project, but I have IDU. They lead the voter something project to register a lot of... Um, disenfranchised um, voters. Um, at universities, integration is really difficult. Um, at Old Miss, a 29-year-old Air Force vet tries to enroll. Um, he needs marshals and troops to accompany him to class. Um, MLK um, deals with a lot of uh, abuse from peaceful protests and the world sees. And JFK um, basically says this is a moral issue. Um, and he sort of talks about the Bible and that civil rights 
um, is just something that we should all be morally called upon to act on. Um, in August, MLK marches on Washington, gives his I Have a Dream speech. Um, then September uh, 1962, the Birmingham Shirts bombings occur. Four young black girls are killed. Um, violence continues. Medgar Evers is killed by a white gunman. So all in the middle of this, um, on November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas, Texas by Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, Lenby Johnson takes the oath almost immediately. Uh, Jack Ruby kills Oswald on live television. Kennedy is not remembered for what he did do, but more for what he would have done and the person he would have been and what he represented, which was the face of the baby boom. So that is chapter 36. It's American Zenith. It's a long, long one. I'll be back with 37 and 38 tomorrow. 35 is already up, um, but I'll, I might do like a quick like 10 minute 35 best of review before. I don't think I'll get the usual period podcast in um, just because it's so short, but who knows? Maybe I will. Um, until then, until tomorrow, it's been lovely. I will see you then. This is Pushing the A. This is pushing the yeah.